said this before and I'll say it again. If you're ever called to pray, if you ever want to pray, you don't stop praying because the music ends or because the sermon starts. You don't begin praying because it says prayer time in the bulletin we don't have. You pray. You kneel. You rise up because that's what God does in you. Okay? So, Charis and Irene, grace and peace. Paul flowed out to all of the church and through my voice flowed out unto you last week. May all kinds of good, may all the peace of, 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 of without understanding, may all joy and righteousness be to you. And we will cover a few more verses today. I want to read them first as Paul wrote them. Epaphroditus has come to visit from Philippi. He has made a two-week journey by foot and gone into the prison to sit in the cell with Paul and bring him a gift basket from the church that loves him so well. And he says, I'm going to write a letter. Take it back. Sit with me. And Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, they just, they just wait and they write, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership, another word here, fellowship, in the gospel, not simply fellowship, but a fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, one of my favorite verses, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in the grace of God with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection. We're going to have fun with that one later. Of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. Because I long for you with a longing that Jesus longs for his fellowship with, for the bride, the church. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound. Listen, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more in knowledge and depth of insight, that there may be a magnification of your knowledge and your depth of insight that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. Discern what is best and may be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit of God, okay? that come through Jesus Christ, line, why do we do everything? To the glory and praise of God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the chief end of God is to glorify Himself and enjoy Himself forever. Everything culminates. Listen, the beginning of wisdom. Every, well, fear of the Lord is wisdom, but it comes to the understanding of this. Everything comes around to God's glory. This life will end in what? God's glory. Your life will end in what? God's glory. No matter what happens, it will end in God being glorified in some way or another, be it truth or judgment, because God is glory. It will. This will all end in God's 
glory. All right? Let's go back to the very beginning. All right? I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray. Listen to me. Paul is in prison. One of the themes of Philippians is joy. And one of the questions that is always out there is, how is it besides Jesus? Because that's the church answer. How is it that Paul is so filled with joy while he's chained in a concrete cell? What is it that does that? Listen to me. Even though we as people in general ignore it, I can give you the answer and it's right here in these two verses. When Paul is writing, when a preacher is preaching, Paul is always writing to the church and he wants to teach them something. His letters are designed to teach them something. I find it extraordinarily interesting because I know preachers, when we stand up, we don't we stand up and we have knowledge to give you and we want you to receive that knowledge. We don't stop and think about what can we fill ourselves with during the message that all comes before. But in 13 books of the Bible, there are 18 times where rather than teach, Paul makes it clear that he is doing what? He is praying, and all but one time that I can recall, he is praying, he begins with this, I thank my God. So, here's what I want you to take from this. The joyful spirit begins with one who is thankful. Eucharisto, thankful, understanding Christ understanding the gift, understanding what we have in Christ. Joy starts with thankfulness. Well, Craig, you said a lot of us don't understand that. We don't. You know why? Why are people stressed? Why are people fearful? Why are people overwhelmed? Why are people anxious? What brings people's joy down? Ungratefulness. And what does ungratefulness present itself as? Desire. My car isn't nice enough. My house isn't nice enough. My uh, clothes aren't nice enough. My food is not nice enough. I have the need for something more. So I am, listen, you don't start this way, but this is obviously what we are because look around at the stressed world. They owe. Paul says, I don't owe. I'm thankful even in my change. What am I thankful for today? I'm thankful for you. Church, the minute we look around us and understand what we have and how awesome what we have is and that it's okay that the Camry won't turn over today or the AC's out in the van or the side just got ripped off of the Tiguan last night while we're driving home. It's all right. Guess what? When my wife got in it this morning, it ran. And guess what? I don't know anything. And guess what? I'm thankful that I have three broke down vehicles because one of them going to go. And that doesn't concern me. And you look at me and say, well, Craig, don't you want? I do. I want a truck. And I know that's funny because I'm going to look funny one day when God gives me a truck driving a truck. <laughs> I, but, but you know what? We got stuff to haul around. And my church family has stuffed all around. And the one thing we're always looking for in men's ministry is a... So one day God's going to give me a... And it's going to be broke down too. Do you know how I know? Because a real, real, real nice truck costs like 
$795,000 now. And I don't make that because I don't preach good enough. Look how happy we are right now. Look, look, look around. Why are we happy? Because right now, you're thankful. You are. You're thankful. Do you know why you're thankful? Because I don't preach like this. God said, let there be light. And there was light. You're going to hell if you don't believe in the light for 25 minutes. You're thankful for that. May not be good, but I ain't boring. Can I get a witness? All right. But listen, it, it, in case it wasn't ever said to you, I'm saying it to you now. Thankfulness breeds joy. No matter where you are, and no matter what you do, if you're thankful for it, whatever it is, joy comes in the morning. What's the song? I'm trading my sorrows. I ain't dwelling on that. I'm trading my shame. I ain't guilty no more. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. Though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. And it begins with thankful and grateful hearts. Why do you think they say count your blessings? You know what Paul was thankful for? Them church people. Them church people carrying out the gospel. Paul's always thanking for the gospel. He's always praying, all right? That's the second thing I want you to see here. Paul is always praying prayers of thankfulness, and he says all the time, for all of you, in every way, he used these words that takes in multitudes. He's always doing this stuff. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. What is concerning to Paul while he's on this earth is the gospel. We're going to look at this more next week in depth. But the next section is my chains advance the gospel. And that's where we see Paul talk about the difference between living his life for God and dying to be with God. And how he can't be taken down. I'm giving away next week. He can't be torn down. His joy can't be stolen because if they take his life, he gets Jesus. If they leave him in this life, he gets more people to Jesus. And I'm going to show you how he, which, one he, which one he enjoys more. And I don't know if you can figure it out. But next week I'm going to tell you which one it is and why it is, all right? And I'm excited about that, all right? It's fun to know what I'm going to say next week already. That's good news. I'm thankful for that, all right? Now I have joy, all right? But Paul's thankfulness comes from the advancement of the gospel, and in this particular case, this all weaves together, it comes from the partnership, and, and, and the word, old school word here is fellowship, from the fellowship. Now that's a a Baptist word, all right, and we used to have fellowship suppers, and we don't use fellowship a lot, but if we understood the meaning of the word, we would use it all the time, and here it is. The meaning of the word is we are gathering together to do things which connect our hearts, all right? We're just spending time doing things that connect our hearts, talking about things that connect our hearts, being with one another, falling in love with his quirks and her quirks and his hard labor and her hard labor, totally different thing. I'm not talking about any woman's labor. I am not. 
and, and all of the things that bring us together. When we fellowship, it's not about being preached at. It's about loving one another for who we are. And Paul says, do you know what brings me joy? When we spent all that time in Philippi on our knees, when we spent time breaking bread, when we spent time going out and loving people together, when we spent time worshiping together, I fell in love with you and somehow our hearts became intertwined. That is fellowship, all right? The hearts then intertwine. And then, no matter where you are or what you have done, you are in some way connected. That's why Paul says in a minute, because you are in my heart. We always talk about Jesus being in our heart, but that's what Jesus does. The Jesus in all of our hearts is reaching across the pews to grab the Jesus in the rest of our hearts and draw us together to create what one of our core values is, that they may be one as you and I are one. It doesn't happen unless you have Christ who draws you together. And Paul says, man, I'm just loving how this is coming out of me because it's our partnership in the gospel that makes me so excited and I can see it in you in a bread basket from Epaphroditus who is even growing ill by the minute and I'm asking you to pray for it. You know, that's what's going on here. We're all connected and we're all praying for one another and we hurt when others hurt and we bear burdens when others bear burdens and it is exactly like the body. Let me ask you a question. When you stub your toe, does your toe yell ouch or another word of choice? No. What does the yelling? The mouth does the yelling. Now, did the mouth hurt? No, the toe hurt. And then the brain actually told the toe that the toe hurt. And then the brain knew that the toe hurt. So the brain told the mouth to expel what the toe felt. The body works in conjunction in all things. That's why when people hurt, in the body, you start to feel this yearning. Listen to me. I'm at, a, I'm at a conference this weekend, and I get a text. And the text isn't all that good. And that text is followed up by a phone call. And I don't always get texts or phone calls from this family. So I jumped up from this meeting, walked outside to answer the phone. And there was a burdened mother. She's a mother and daughter on the phone. And this is a family in our church. And the, the virus has, has affected Three or four families in our church now. We just don't talk about it because there's no, no reason to talk about it because they weren't here. It didn't affect everyone. But it affected us then because mama, grandma, had gone into the hospital. And then mama had gone downhill. And then the real doc finally got there and said, mama's not downhill. Mama's, mama's sick, sick. And so that was the call that I was getting. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So I texted mama. Mama texted me right back. And all she asked for was that, that we took care of daughter. <clears throat> totally coherent, totally everything. So I just sent a note to the two elders and the two staff guys. That's all I did. And I said, hey, we've been praying. Everybody's praying. All right, no, it's time to pray. Specifically and earnestly. That's all I said, okay? I know that other texts went out. Don't know how, why, don't care. I know that texts went out at around four. 4D. All right? 720. Text comes in. Praise the Lord. The meds that began 24 hours ago, they were told they'd work between 48 and 72 hours. They started working sometime in the last two or three hours. Lungs are already better. Ventilation, as far as we know, will now not be needed. And you know what? This is really funny because this virus is hilarious. You know what they did? They flipped her over on her tummy. That was the one major change in that three hours. You and I both know there was another major 
change in that three hours. The burden, the tears, the joy, okay, that came through the text that were coming back to five of us instead of one of us. <laughs> the joy, that was sigh, it was like, just got off the phone. She messed that text all up. I mean, flubbity dubbity joy, better, flubbity, better, God praise, you know. And then she goes, I can't even type. I'm so excited. She messed that up too. But we all, what? We all felt it. I was halfway between Bowling Green and E-Town. Preston was in Georgetown. Spencer, I guess, was in Lancaster, you know. Why? You getting it? Paul's thankful because this. Now we can understand where confidence comes from. One guy who goes out on a football team fired up and ready to go can do a lot of things. But 11 guys all fired up changes the game completely. So Paul says, because I know how I feel. And I know how Tim feels. And I've seen Epaphroditus take the walk. And I hear how you all feel. And I'm watching you. We're still connected. And I'm confident now, all right, that he who began a good work in you. I've never lost confidence in Jesus. But now I can see that that Jesus is rising up in all of us, all right. And he's going to keep it going and complete the work. And that. That gives me hope. He has joy and hope in the faith of his people, and that causes an overwhelming amount of love. In all 13 books Paul writes, you can narrow down to three things. And he actually has a verse where he calls this out on himself. He's talking about everything that's going on, and then he says, and then these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, and the grace of these is love. You always hear that in the context of the love chapter. But what Paul does is he says, just in case you missed it, in every book I've ever written, faith, hope, and love are what I'm talking about. And where do they stem from? The gospel of Jesus Christ, where my confidence lies. And my confidence is magnified because I'm connected to the hearts of others who are confident as well. So far, so good? And it is right for me to feel this way. It is good. It is righteous. It is the way we were built. That's what he means by right here, not correct. It is right as a created being. All is right with the world. That's what this is. And it is all right with the world that I feel this way since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, which is a preclusion, all right, precursor to the next part of this chapter, all of you share God's grace with me. Even if I'm talking to them in Thessalonica, them in Rome, them in Corinth, them in Thyatira, them in Laodicea, we're all connected and by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news, which is the crucifixion and resurrection, we all experience his grace. And I want you to notice something else. When Paul does this precursor, he says, he doesn't say whether I'm in chains or whether I'm preaching. That's not what he says. It's what he says is important. Whether I am in chains, all right, enjoying the joy of the Lord being my strength and talking to you guys, or whether I am defending and confirming the gospel. He doesn't give it any other connotation. When Paul preaches, he knows that he preaches Christ. And Christ crucified can never be defended 
or not defended or unconfirmed. Listen to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ has never, ever been not defended or confirmed. Never. Nobody's ever made an argument to upend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And nobody's ever made an argument that can disconfirm, unconfirm anything that God confirms. Paul's confidence came from this. I'm preaching something that's irrefutable. And I'm happy to do it. And that is grace because I don't deserve it. Paul did this several times. Nobody's a sinner like me. I understand those words. I understand Paul's words. You understand these words. Listen to me. For those of you who've never heard these words, hear them now. These are Paul's. I don't understand how this grace and God thing works and how to live this life out because, here, that was a paraphrase, here's the verse. The things I want to do, these things I do not do. And the things I do not want to do, these things I do. The Christian struggle is God's pulling me this way, my body's pulling me this way, and I find myself singing and preaching the gospel and wanting to be righteous, but I'm still living in sin, and then I'm praying away the sin, and then I run back to the sin, and I am just overwhelmed with grief in and of my... Hey, the greatest missionary on the planet outside of Jesus wrote those words. It stops when our confidence doesn't end at noon on Sundays. Woo! You're way more confident nodding your head, giving me the amens and all of this good stuff that I love and we need to do because the preaching needs encouragement. All right, but if I'm not there cheering you on, if I'm not there dissecting the gospel for you, if I'm not there translating the Greek and Hebrew, your confidence level just rises and falls on Sunday morning, and that is false. It can only rise and fall on God's grace and the gospel, which is not something I teach. It's something that's in you, and this is the mystery, Christ, in you, the hope of glory, which is where we're headed. Grab hold of that, people. God can testify. Woo, you're going to have fun with this one. God can testify how I long for, okay? There's a word here that we're not getting. Long for all of you with affection, okay? In the King James type stuff, in the other translation, you're never going to hear affection translated this way, but the word used here is your bowels. No kidding. I have a yearning for you from my bowels. Here's what he's saying. That feeling where it's so deep within me, the bowels are the depths of your innards, right? And that is this word. I long for you. I crave you. I, I desire our fellowship deep down in my loins, in my groins, in my bowels, in all of these areas, in the depths of my affection for you. I got a lot of looks then, but that's, this is real. And this word, the Greek word for, for bowels here, I mean this, listen to me. The Greek word, it's used in conjunction with a longing that only Jesus Christ has or is compared to Jesus Christ in every place in the New Testament except one. Do you know where the other one is? It's in the story of the Good Samaritan. A man who crosses all borders when it comes to race, creed, 
color, sex, and religion. And just gives of himself and then gives some more. It's the only other time that it doesn't see of Christ Jesus, of Christ Jesus, that it's not used in conjunction with that phrase. The Good Samaritan. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will trust in you alone. In that, I will not be shaken. What? shakes you. I'm not asking you to answer me here. I'm asking you to whisper that answer on, at 4.30 on Tuesday afternoon. I'm asking you to whisper that answer at 7 a.m. on Friday morning. What is drawing your hope away? And then ask yourself, is that something God can't pay for, turn around, uh, deal with, overcome? Uh, what? what? What are you standing on? Did you build your house on the sand in that area? So this is my prayer. I feel all of these things for you, church. And let me tell you something, Stephen, Spencer, Cy, Preston, me. We have, in a human form, a love-hate relationship with all of you. you what? Truth! Y'all don't need me up here blowing sunshine. That is the truth. We have a love-hate relationship with all of you. We want so much more for you that we get angry at you when we know that you've begged us to call you on these things and then you go do these things and we call you on it and you snap at us. We have a love-hate relationship with you. I'm willing to serve, just not for the next 17 months. I'm going to tithe for a week. Love-hate relationship. Listen, you have a love-hate relationship with your children too. You do. Don't you lie? You do. And those of you who say that you don't are lying and you're cheating your children because of it. If they, they make you angry. They yes. get on your ever-loving nerve. They throw away your ice cream. Yes. <laughs> Preacher pays attention to what's happening in the families of the church. Dude, oh, and it was cookie too. Oh. But do you know why the hate, the ice cream was in the bin. The love, she knew, went out to the bin, came back with an earnest and honest confession. Mama, I love you. You're not going to be happy. Here's what happened. Come on. Love. Love. God, I love that. So you understand, what I just said is not mean, and church people can hate me for it out there. I don't care. I love you, and you get on my nerves. We real? But Paul says, God, this is good. And so here's what I want for you, and I mean this. We, we, we earnestly hurt for you. We earnestly long for you. Do you know how badly that, that, that I miss people? How I, I love seeing all of you today. But there's a, right over here, there's a group that I haven't seen in, you know, 15, 16 weeks. And we're not tired or anything like that, but I, I miss them. I, 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 I can't, there's no explanation. I haven't seen Chris. I haven't seen Jesse. I haven't seen, you know. I miss, I long for them. We do. 
And the tighter we get and the more we long, the more real this gets, y'all. The beautiful mess gets better. This is my prayer. Sorry. That your love for the gospel and Jesus Christ first and for the family of Christ united in heart may abound more and more. Listen, what he asked for. Knowledge and depth of insight. Why? Because I'm not always there. I'm not always going to be here. You don't always think you need us. I wish you would use us more often. I do. I wish you would call more times before you post stuff. Before you open your mouth. I love you, but I wish that for you. And that's not being critical. That's just real. Before you buy into something. And things can sound really good. They can. Always the gospel center. So my prayer is that you may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight. Why? <laughs> that you may be able to discern what is best. Not what is truth. There is no discerning what is truth. We know what is truth. It's just whether or not you buy into that or not. You don't, you don't undo truth because it's what you want. You don't undo truth because a group of people want it. You don't undo truth because somebody else says it. You, the truth is truth. But this is me able to discern what is best, what is pure, what is, listen to me, blameless. Listen to me. Blameless now doesn't mean blameless later. Did you catch what I just said? Well, that seemed okay today. Did you, did you think about what that was going to look like six months from now? No? Well, then it's not blameless. If you can be not blamed for it now and blamed for it six months from now, it's not blameless. That's like saying something is sort of pure. That's the cookie story, right, guys? You got chocolate chip cookie. It's 99% goodness and 1% poop. Do you want to eat a 1% poop cookie? Exactly. Then it ain't pure, is it? That story is going to be right forever. The idea is not that you have a group of people that connect with you, not that you have a group of people who agree with you, not that you pick a side. That's not the idea. Paul doesn't ask for any of that. But he's talking to a group of people who are yelling Jesus is Lord while the Caesar and the Romans and all the people who have control of them are yelling Caesar is Lord. They're in a crisis in their country. Sound familiar? And Paul says, all I want for you is that you may have knowledge, insight, so that you can discern what is best pure and blameless. For the day of Christ, listen to me, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Are the decisions that you are making and the people around you making spreading the fruits of righteousness? Are they causing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? I can tell you that there aren't a lot of things going on right now on either side that are showing any form of self-control. You know what that tells me? They're not blameless. You see what I'm saying? You know what that, y'all understand where I'm going here? If the fruits of the Spirit are, are, are death, probably not the right thing. If they're conflict, they're probably not the right thing. I'm just saying. If they're peace, patience, filled with goodness and righteousness, those things come through Jesus Christ, and in the end, we end up with glory and praise to God. Why? Because you can't make a difference without Him. This situation, any situation that we're in, 
I'm talking about sin right now, the human situation of sin. I will now compound that to the situation in our city, the situation in our state, the situation in our country, all right? Can't do it without him. There's not a mental argument to be made. Why? Because if we could, we wouldn't need him. If we don't need him, he's not who he says he is. If he's not who he says he is, none of what you're here for is true. All of our discernment leads to the fruits of the Spirit falling from heaven on all God's people, and hopefully others see it. And then there is a return, which we're going to talk about next week. How Paul dealt with the chains and advanced the gospel in spite of them. There was more there than I thought. 1201. Let's pray. Oh, no. Let's pray this. God, may your love abound more and more in the people of Nicholasville Baptist Church, in the family seated before us, in me, in the families that couldn't be with us. And may they come to the knowledge and depth of insight, and they may know how and be able to discern what is best for them, for their spouses, for their children, that they may be pure and blameless and filled with the fruit of the righteousness for the glory of God the Father. May that be our prayer for all of us in Jesus' name. And amen and amen.